Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Hoofbeat Podcast. This is a podcast that explores the interconnectedness of our health and the health of our horses through self-care, mindfulness, and personal development, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Maynard. I'm a published author and researcher, equine body worker, energy facilitator, and I am passionate about deepening our connection with horses. If you want a more meaningful relationship with your horse, it starts within yourself. So don't forget to go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for our exclusive email list to get the Conscious Hoofbeat Monthly and start your journey today. Today, I want to talk to you about cultivating wholeheartedness with your horse. In Dr. Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she defines wholeheartedness as the capacity to engage in our lives with authenticity, cultivate courage and compassion, and embrace, not in that self-help book motivational seminar way, but really deeply, profoundly embrace the imperfections of who we really are. As I read this definition, something deep down inside of me really resonated with these words. As a horse owner, animal lover, and a person who has read her fair share of self-help books, I couldn't read that definition and not apply it to horses. We as horse lovers know that horses assist and guide us to our authenticity. They cultivate courage and compassion within us from their examples, and they embrace our imperfections. Isn't that one of the many reasons why we love horses? They never judge us. They never tell us we look fat in those jeans. And they always love and accept us for who we are. No strings attached. Dr. Brown has 10 guideposts for wholehearted living. I was inspired to share with you how these guideposts apply to me and my relationship with horses. My intention is to share these with you and give you some food for thought that will assist you on your path of continual growth with yourself and your horse. The first guidepost is cultivating authenticity, letting go of what people think. I believe that we have all gone through a time in our lives when we were concerned about what other people thought of us. I love horses, but my passion is the Arabian horse. My whole life, I've had people say negative things to me about my Arabs. When are you going to get yourself a real horse? I've probably heard that one the most. I was even turned down once at a boarding facility because I had Arabian horses. So I would overcompensate and make sure I rode in the same brand of saddles and tack as the quarter horse trainers rode in. I would take my horses to reinings and open shows just to prove that my little Arabs could do what the other breeds could do. And one time, I even taught one of my western horses to spur stop like a quarter horse. 
Perhaps not the smartest thing to do, but a great example of how we get caught up in what other people think. I am sure it has been a lot about maturity and even more about personal growth, but now I choose to let it go when people make comments to me about my Arabians. I love them, period. I know they're not for everybody, but they're for me. And 20 years from now, is it going to matter? The only thing that matters is that I am happy, my horses are happy, and as a result, I have been authentic and true, not only to myself, but also my horses. The second guidepost I want to share with you is cultivating self-compassion. Letting go of perfectionism. My astrological sign is Virgo. And Virgos are known for being detail-oriented, which can also translate to anal retentive and a little OCD. Every Sunday, I would bathe and clip my horses. This included conditioning their manes and tails and rewrapping the tail and putting it up that, so it would protect it and prevent the tail from breaking so it could be long for the show ring. And in addition to taking 15 to 18 credit hours a semester at the university, I was training horses, running a lesson program, and working at a tack shop. I was young, energetic, and I was go, go, go seven days a week until my body would eventually give out to the flu or a cold and I was forced to take a day off. It was after a couple of bouts with bronchitis that I realized it was okay to miss a week of bathing and clipping and actually take a day off. As of today, my horses haven't had their tails wrapped in years. I no longer clip their muzzles and sometimes I even let their bridle pass go for a month at a time. And you know what? They haven't complained to me once. The third guide post I can relate to horses with is cultivating a resilient spirit. Letting go of numbing and powerlessness. When I was fresh out of high school, I had dreams of winning multiple regional and national championships. I was willing to do whatever it took to become a famous Arabian horse trainer. I worked for other trainers that took advantage of me, never gave me a day off, verbally abused me, and paid me basically peanuts. I became numb to block out the hurt feelings that occurred on a regular basis. And I also gave up my power to these people by allowing them to basically treat me like crap. Even though it was technically a choice, I felt that for the sake of self-preservation, I was forced to cultivate a resilient spirit and take back my power. As a result, I have a better relationship with my horses and they choose to perform better for me. The fourth guidepost is cultivating gratitude and joy, letting go of scarcity and fear of the dark. My whole life I have heard the phrase horse poor. It has taken me some time, but now that I have let go of that idea, I can have horses and I don't have to be poor. As a result of my business, I get to help horse owners and their horses and in return, I am grateful 
and receive great joy from my work. The fifth guidepost is cultivating intuition and trusting faith, letting go of the need for certainty. Okay, I will be the first to admit that this one is an ongoing process for me. I have a fear of the unknown, but I practice every day and I am getting better. My biggest lesson I learned for myself and translated to my customers is that you know your horse better than anyone else. Trust your gut and have faith in yourself and your decisions for your horse. Unfortunately, I have learned this the hard way. Every time I have let someone talk me into doing something with my horses that did not feel good, I regretted it. And I usually paid for it by having a sick horse and a big vet bill. And it always costed me more money in the long run. Note to self, I know my horses and myself better than anyone else. The next guidepost is cultivating creativity, letting go of comparison. I admit, over the years, I have compared myself to other horse trainers and even some really close horse friends I have. I would think to myself, do my horses look that good? Do my horses look that bad? Am I that mean to my students? Am I too nice to my students? It has taken years of introspective work, but I can now say that I have come into my own and I am comfortable with my own gifts and talents. I have created a program that works for me and my customers, and it doesn't matter what other people are doing. I have also accepted that everything is in divine order and that horses and your God-given gifts and talents cannot be rushed. The seventh guidepost is cultivating play and rest, letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. As I previously mentioned, a couple of incidences with bronchitis that literally laid me on my back for a week at a time and then didn't give me back all of my energy for at least another two or three weeks. It was a life lesson that taught me it is okay to take a day off. It's okay to practice self-care. Not only do our bodies need to physically rest, but sometimes we need a mental break. This includes a break from emails, phone calls, and life in general. I can honestly say it's still a challenge. I like to check my emails several times a day. However, I've let go of the mindset of working hard all the time or you never get anywhere in life. And just because I am not being productive work-wise every day, it does not mean that taking care of myself is not productive. Plus, I am sure it also benefits my horses. When I am healthy in my body, mind, and spirit, I can show up for my horses and be a much better horse mom. The eighth 
guidepost is cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. I find that the best way for me to cultivate calm and stillness is by leaving my cell phone in the house, turning off the barn radio, and just being with my horses in the stillness of nature around us. This can be as simple as spending quality time with them and grooming them or going on a trail ride. I actually find that when I am doing arena work, I am the most likely to let go of any anxiety and just concentrate on the maneuvers I am working on in the present moment. I remember years ago when I was an apprentice at Almara Arabians, there was an accident at the show barn. I did not see exactly what happened, but one of the young stug colts spooked and knocked down his handler. Initially, she did not let go of the lead rope and tried to stop him, and as a result, she was dragged and stomped on. As she lay near the barn screaming bloody murder, no one could hear her because the radio was blaring so loud. The only reason we found her is because the stud colt showed up with a lead rope dragging behind him with no handler. Moral of the story, turn off the radio, listen to the birds chirping, and just be calm and still with your horse. You will be amazed what a difference it makes. The ninth guidepost is cultivating meaningful work. Letting go of self-doubt and this notion of supposed to. All right, this is another one I will admit is an ongoing challenge for me. I grew up surrounded by negativity and I still hear those negative voices in my head sometimes. You can't do that. What do you want to do that for? As long as you have horses, you will always be horse poor. When are you going to get a real job? It is one of those situations like when someone tells you that you are stupid enough times you start to believe you are stupid, meaning the negative voices end up yielding self-doubt. Whether those voices are from a family member, a friend, or a trainer, let them go. If you want to show at nationals, trail ride in the mountains, or ride a Grand Prix test, Don't let anyone tell you different. Cultivate what is meaningful for you. Sometimes it can be as simple as spending five days a week at the barn instead of three. And the last guidepost that I want to share with you today, number 10, is cultivating laughter, song, and dance. Letting go of being cool and always in control. Some might think that this, is, this one's a no-brainer, but you would be surprised how hard it is for some people to just let go and laugh out loud, sing off-key in front of people, and dance around like nobody's watching. A few years ago, I adopted two adult cats, and the first time I sang in front of them, they looked at me like I was crazy and went and hid in the closet. <laughs> I sing when I ride because it helps me to remember to breathe. I am a dancing fool, and I actually had an old gelding that used to dance with me 
at the end of the lead rope in the barn aisle. And everybody around me would laugh and think I was weird for dancing with my horse. But you know what? I found out that when I let go of being cool and being in control, my life is less stressful and I smile more. Try it for yourself. You never know. You just might like it. Of course, some days are easier than others, but you don't know unless you try it. So my challenge for you this week is to pick one guidepost and incorporate it in your life with horses. Leave a comment below and let me know how it goes for you. And until next time, enjoy your horse.